Hey everybody, it's In the Clinch MMA podcast on the Fight Game Media Network. Paul Fontaine alongside Ryan Frederick as always. And uh, first of all, I want to thank you all for listening and for downloading. However you manage to find us, please make sure and uh, subscribe to whatever feed you're listening to us on and leave us a five-star review. Uh, it, it really helps out the the, uh, the network and uh, helps keep us going. And if you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the Patreon at patreon.com backslash Fight Game Media. All kinds of great stuff on there. Boxing, MMA, a little bit of MMA sometimes. Uh, a lot of wrestling. Uh, we got like, I think, eight shows a week. So it's it's great. And I think there's some extra stuff this week. We got some fun stuff planned for the holidays. So, uh, yeah, it's just stuff for that. It's just five bucks a month and uh, and, and more than worth your while. And it helps keep the free side going, too. So, uh, But, yeah, we had a busy, busy weekend, uh, you know, with MMA and you know pro wrestling. But we're here to talk about the MMA. And... Uh, I guess first off, we'll talk about this Bellator show. Um, Ryan, did you see any of it? Uh, I saw the last two fights, and okay. I regret watching one of them. <laughs> I assume that's the main event. No the oh the good, Liz Car- the Liz Carmouche Juliana Velasquez. It was well on its way to being like worst fight of the year. Really, wow. contender. It was. It was. Yeah, it, you know, until the armbar, you know, Liz Carmouche, she uh, she submitted uh, Velasquez's second round uh, armbar, armbar to uh, keep the uh, flyweight title, but up until that point, it was every bit reminiscent of Rose and Carla from earlier this wow. year. Just like complete nothing going on. And she had was, she had a fight like that with um, Valentina Shevchenko too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. She's Liz Carmouche. She's she's not the most exciting fighter in the world. Neither is Juliana Velasquez, and you know, yeah. They don't. They're just the styles don't don't make for like a really good matchup. And then, then and then the main event, uh, it was competitive for you know. Uh, Thought Stotts won it. It had a really bad scorecard, which yeah, we'll may or may not it. still be the worst scorecard of the week weekend. We'll get into more of that. Uh, I think it was. I mean, I didn't see the fight, but apparently it was. Was it the f- only the second time in history that a first, judge gave? I, I think it's the first. I think it was the first time in history. You know, going through Bellator, UFC, anything that a uh, that it that the dissenting scorecard in a split decision was fifty forty five. Yeah, I I will say that there was one fight. I can't remember who it was, but it was a fight where I scored the fight 50-45 for somebody and they lost the fight. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I can't remember when it was, uh, who it was, but it was a high profile one. And my and I was having my decisions recorded on MMA decisions. So I did hear a lot about it. Uh, I, just the way I saw the fight. So I don't know. I didn't watch this one, so I can't comment, but... Um, yeah, it was, and, it, and the funny thing is, is I, I was like, even though I knew I scored at 50, 45, I had a really bad feeling that my guy was losing, but just cause there was, you know, sometimes rounds are close, right? And yeah. if you just happen to go a certain way and in, in all the close rounds, then, you know, you might score the fight quote unquote wrong. Um, like if let's say two of the rounds were dominant for the guy, you know, that you had losing. But even then, yeah, if I gave it 50-45, that wouldn't be an excuse. <laughs> no, you know what it was? No, no, no. I gave a fight. No, I gave a fight 48-47 when it was 50-45 across the board from all three judges. And I gave it 48-47 the other way. That's okay. what it was. That, yeah. That's what happened. Yeah, I didn't. I never did a 50-45 when it was a split decision. No. 
Yeah, Sorry, but I mean, like in this in this one, it's very clear, very clear that, and this is how I scored it. Uh, Stotts went in rounds two, three, and five, and both judges who had at it for Stotts had them went in two, three, and five. So yeah. So and and uh, yeah, and then you know, of course, Doug Crosby was the was the judge, and he right away got sent off to UFC. <laughs> Yeah. Score another fight. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that more kind of in our we have to talk about segment there. So yeah, yeah, that was uh that was not good. But kind of yeah, kind of that whole situation there. So um so and then the other fights on the card were um you know we had Apache Mix advancing to the finals of the tournament, so it's gonna be him and Rafian Stotts for the interim title uh and the million dollars, and then the winner's gonna get Sergio Pettis. Uh, Dalton Rosta uh, kept his undefeated record alive, and Sumi's heading for a match with Aaron Jeffries. Hopefully, if my matchmaking wishes uh, take place, um, and then uh, yeah, some of the undercard fighters. Denise Keelholtz lost, so she's like six and five now. I think we can probably stop paying attention to her. Um, Kai Kamaka got a win. Jaleel Willis, uh, some of the bigger names. Mike Michael Lombardo um, beat Mike. Jared Scoggins lost. In a uh, split decision, yeah, in the, and uh, and real quick because we talked a lot about him. Patrick Downey, bit, yeah, Pat, Patrick Downey got or Pat Downey <laughs> got knocked out in the uh, in the first round. Uh, wow, uppercut. The I I didn't see that fight, but I saw the knockout on on Twitter because it was it was all over all over Twitter, and yeah, it's just Christian Eccles just kind of schooled him, and yeah, Pat Downey he had a lot of hype, hype, you know, you know, similar on the similar to the Bo Nickel, not. Not as hyped as Bo Nickel, but second fight, and he, you know, got knocked out in the first round. So yeah, it's going to be, yeah, his his career could end up being more Aaron Pico, which you know that's not not a bad. That's what I was going to ask you. Was this like an Aaron Pico situation? But Pico had you know those couple losses early, early. You know his career could end up going more Pico than Nickel. You know as far as like the early early stage of it. But yeah, yeah, that was kind of. <laughs> it was a it was a clean knockout. We'll put you that well. Way. I mean, and this guy was two and two coming in. Yeah, um, I found the fight that I was talking about, and I sent you a DM. Um, it uh, it was uh, Junior Dos Santos and Vlago Ivanov. Oh yeah, you can remember that. And I scored it for Ivanov. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we'll just leave it there. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that was Bellator. I think that was the last show of the year. So they're back in the new year. Um, you know, well, and, uh, technically they have that that uh, Bellator. Oh, Bellator Ryzen, and so. yeah, Ryzen. Yeah, is that? I guess officially it's a co-promoted show. Yes. Okay. Yes. So the the uh, Bellator fighters are fighting under the Bellator banner. So yeah, that's on uh, New Year's Eve, I believe. Yeah, so, yeah. All right, but the uh, the big show of the weekend obviously was uh, UFC 282 from uh, uh, Las Vegas, T-Mobile Arena, um, and uh, main event of uh, I mean, yeah, main event did, was real, real quick before we get into, I did look up that that uh, Dos Santos and Ivana fight on MMA decisions just now. <laughs> Let's just say every every comment on it is directed towards you. So. I know, I know, yeah. <laughs> and I so, got yeah. tweets too. Yeah. Yeah, but I, yeah, I based on looking at what everybody else had it, I, I would say those comments. You know what the funny might... thing is though? I rewatched the fight right after, and I 
stuck by my decision. Like I, I would say that, you know, like three of the rounds were close and I just happened to give them to Ivanov. So, yeah, I mean, it was, um, it was a very forgettable fight. So it was, it was, you know, and that's the thing. And that's what happens sometimes in these. And we're going to talk about that in our, uh, question of the week as well um you know i mean the, not kind of tangently related to that but yeah um yeah so ufc 282 and yeah people you can look it up mmadecisions.com just look up that fight and you'll see and you can read all the nice comments about me um but uh they're, they're not they're not that bad yeah. i know uh i think i even answered a couple maybe not um but uh yeah ufc 282 I mean, honestly, in the big scheme of things, this main event may have well have not even happened <laughs> because at, at the end of the night, it, it was basically irrelevant. They were fighting for the vacant light, light heavyweight title. And I believe for the first time ever that I can recall, uh, well, I guess technically the Bell Tour had a similar situation where there was a no contest in, in a title that was basically vacant, right? Right. Um, yeah, so, uh, but this was, yeah, the Jan Blahovich and Magomed Ankalaev. Uh, Magomed Ankalaev, um, you know, he basically the first two and a half, two and three quarter rounds was just getting chopped apart, his leg was getting shredded, and uh, you know, to the point where it almost seemed like it was going to be stopped. And then he figured out, oh, maybe I should just take this dude down. And so he took him down at the end of round three, did, did a little bit of damage at the end of the round. And, uh, and then in the fourth round, he just went out and took him down right away, held him down the whole round. Same thing in the fifth. And Blahovich didn't land a single strike, uh, well, a significant strike anyways, in either of the last two rounds. And, uh, and then so basically the way it came down, and the funny thing was, they kept showing my scores on the main card, and every time they'd show my score, it was like against what everyone else did. But well, I clearly wasn't. They, the, they purposely will try to find a dissenting scorecard yeah. from everybody else. So just but it, but, it, the, the, but the funny thing is, is like it wasn't like I was off. Like I mean, yeah. a lot of people gave Blahovich the first round. Um, it was just the you know I was the only one they showed on the screen, and so you know at the end of two, you had it nineteen nineteen, or you had it twenty eighteen Blahovich, round three. Most people gave it to uh, Blahovich. I gave it to Ankalaev. Uh, and part of the reason was was because I didn't really want to put up a 30-27 Blahovich scorecard at the end of the third round. Um, and I know you're not supposed to judge like that, but, you know, and, and I thought Ankalaev did a lot at the last part of the round. I thought he did more than Blahovich did in the first three minutes. Um, the second round, I thought, was the really dominant one for, for Blahovich. Um, but either way, you know, like I said, and I think one of the judges scored it the same way I did. And then the fourth and fifth, the funny thing was it didn't for one second occur to me to give a 10, eight in the fifth round, partially because the judges never give 10, eights. And yeah. here two of them did. And what we ended up with was a split draw as I'm sure most of you listening. know. uh, we had one judge gave it 48, 47 Blahovich. Uh, one judge gave it 48, 46 for or for yeah 48 46 for uh Ankh live and then the third judge had it 47 47 so um yeah we ended up with a split draw titles vacant um blahovich basically told him give him the belt he won um you know and but he was you know uh and and ankle live was just every question they asked him he's like where's my belt where's my belt i won this fight give me my belt <laughs> that's all that was his answer to every question um and yeah it was it was bizarre and then dana white at the end after the fight just buried the fight and uh made a 
made an interim title, made a, a title fight for next month. So basically these two, you're SOL dudes. You, you fought for the title and you didn't win. So we're moving on. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, I, got a lot, that, I got, I got a lot to say about that. Yeah. I'm going to let part, you go. That part. And first thing I'll go to the fight. I had a 48, 47 uncle. I have yeah. like a, like you did. I had them winning rounds one, four and five. I didn't get yeah. And I gave five a 10, nine. I think, I think my mind's gotten adjusted to the fact That's, that most yeah. judges aren't given 10 8 anymore. But also, I didn't really ever feel like that he was coming close to finishing Blakovich in the fifth. Yeah. It was, and this fight was every bit like I bad. said. I said last week I'm not expecting much of this main event. I think it's gonna be very boring, and it ended up being a very boring fight. And uh, I did think Alkali deserved to win, and uh, his whole spiel about not wanting to fight in the UFC after. After this, and then clarify, you know, because of the judging, and then clarifying that he doesn't want to fight in Las Vegas. I looked this up. I looked this up. the The same three judges of this fight were also the judges of his fight uh, with Tiago Santos few uh, earlier this year when he won unanimous, and there was no question. So it's not, you know, escaping the UFC or escaping that Las Vegas ain't going to change the judging. Judging yeah. granted, both were in Las, both of those fights were in Las Vegas, Las Vegas. But I mean, it's not the judges, you know, you know these these rounds were too close to where yeah. you can't you can't leave it that close. I mean, when you leave it, when 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 essentially it come it comes down to that first round, and people are saying it really could have gone either way. That means you you're in too close of a fight, and don't leave it to the judges. I mean, yeah. either one of these guys, when you watch the fight, neither one of them were ready to go five rounds. You know, the, the short notice of putting that on five rounds in a title fight. Uh, and Blakovich even admitted as much after the fight, saying, you know, he he couldn't get ready for five rounds. It was too late. And, yeah, very clear that neither one of them were ready for five rounds. And Ankalaev just did the smart thing and taking it down, taking down a tired yeah. opponent when you're tired and just leave and just, just I, doing I think enough. he also served his energy for the first yeah. couple rounds, too. And yeah. it hurt him. But then it, it ended him, up yeah. helping at the end of them. Yeah, it helped, it helped at the end because he had enough energy yeah. to keep Lukovich down, which, you know. But, uh, yeah, uh, as far as Dana, uh, Dana has made the title fight, the light heavyweight title fight. Uh, Glover to share against Jamal Hill, uh, UFC 283 in Brazil here next month. Uh, to me, what that says is uh, says a lot of things. It says a lot <laughs> of things to me. One, I know they don't want to – they don't want – a situation where a title is vacant for months and just there's just this, you know, jumping through hoops. Yeah, yeah, the lightweight title was theoretically vacant for five months, but they had a plan of what was yeah. going on. And they didn't want to make this fight. They didn't want to make Blakovich and Alkali a title fight to, from the get-go. We know that. They wanted to share an Alkali, you know, even to the point where they – were uh, had to share agreed to fight Ankalaev. Uh, Jamal Hill had actually been called to fight one of those two, and he also said he couldn't fight him, so he kind of turned it down. But anyway, so it's uh, it's all about getting a light heavyweight champion. You also want that second title fight in Brazil. And, you know, we talked about the rumor last week about Amanda yeah. Nunez possibly being on the card because they were looking at one the second title fight in case anything happened happened and uh so yeah now they got their second title fight in brazil glover gets the fight in brazil like he like he's wanted to you know ever ever since you know for a long time and he gets the fight for a title in brazil like he's wanted forever and a lot of it too is uh yeah uncle i have 
did he has a leg injury ain't going to be able to fight for a while but i think dana was just any he, he he said afterwards he zoned out after the third round said this was a bad fight i think the fact that it was such a bad fight that he had no desire no matter what to put either one of these two in a title fight so that's why we're getting that's probably the number one reason why we're getting glover and jamal hill so soon for that he and he pretty much said it uh, you know, like in in the, I mean, without actually saying, yeah, it, but yeah, he did. Yeah. I mean, he's like, this fight sucked. <laughs> um, you know, we're gonna have a fight next month, and yeah. it's gonna be these two. I and mean, then, if you, if you look at the history of the UFC, look how many fighters were labeled with the boring tag, who didn't get title shots, or it took them a really long time to get the title shot to the point where it's like, it became like, okay, I have to give this person a title shot. It was kind of like when uh, Damian Maya fought for the wealthy yeah. title. Yeah, so he kind of, or did yeah. you know, or he didn't fight for the world when he fought for the middleweight title because it's like okay, I got to get this guy. But but even you know Maya went on that long win streak at welterweight, and never got a title shot, title shot, and then he ended up losing a fight. So or did he get a title shot at middle welterweight? I think he did. Uh, I thought I thought he did. Yeah, yeah, um, I think he did against uh, Woodley, and it was a horrible fight. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that's what I, that's the one I'm trying to remember. One of the worst. Yeah, uh, I, that fight that fight was so bad that I've actually blocked it out of my memory, and it took it took a while. But yeah, at UFC 214, and the only reason he got it is because he was on such a such a long win streak that they almost had to give it to him, and it ended up being a completely horrible fight. So, so yeah, and uh, like I said, Uncle Iev, and this fight kind of showed it more. He's just he's got to the point where he whatever. Whatever it is, once he got to the top ten, he decided he was a points fighter and not not a finisher anymore. So that yeah. hurts him. And Blakovich, you know, is kind of the kind of in the same boat boat a little bit. So it's just, you know, I don't think any. And honestly, if you're a fan and you saw this fight, I wouldn't want to see either one of these guys no. in the title fight anytime soon. So well, put it this way, like I. There's a lot of discussion, you know, and again, you know, we'll talk, you know, just a little bit about, you know, the fact that, you know, we're on a pro wrestling, mainly a pro wrestling feed here. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we had the Ring of Honor pay-per-view and we had a free NXT show, essentially, you know, it's on the Peacock Network, but most people, a lot of people don't pay for it. And if you do pay, you don't pay much. And then, and then we had this show that was, you know, $75. And I felt at the end of this show that I, I got ripped off. You know, and and the funny thing was, up until the co-main event, it was a great card. Um, but I mean, most of those fights were on free. The funny, and, yeah. The funny thing is, if you put all the the ten, if all ten, if all of the first ten fights were on the pay per view portion, you're like, man, I would have spent double the yeah. money on this show. Yeah, I mean, Duplessis and Till was a great fight. Um, and, and, you know, we had a lot of late finishes. We had come from behinds. It was great. But by the end of the show, it was like an old WCW pay-per-view where, you know, like you get all this great undercard action and then the main event sucks well, and you're like, oh, that last, sucked. Really the last two fights. You yeah. Know, yeah. We brought it down. Yeah. And then, and yeah, we'll, we'll get, we'll talk about that right now. Pimlet and Pat and uh, Patty Pimlet and Jared Gordon. Um, you know, this was, I mean, I wouldn't even necessarily say this was a big test for Pimlet. I think he was supposed to win this, uh, pretty clearly. I mean, it was, you know, maybe the best guy he's fought in UFC, but, um, Jared Gordon beat him. I mean, you know, no, no. I mean, whether you want to score at 30, 27 or 29, 28, um, I think, you know, it was pretty split down the middle between reporters, uh, either 30, 27 Gordon or 29, 28 Gordon. One, one reporter gave it 29, 28 Pimlet. All three judges gave it 29-28 Pimblet. And um, 
I listened to someone else breaking down this fight, and they were like, oh, well, Gordon clearly won the first round. Pimblett clearly won the second round, and the third round was close, and you could go either way, so this wasn't a robbery. And I'm like, I didn't watch this fight back, but I did not think Pimblett won the first two rounds, or I didn't think Pimblett won either of the first two rounds. I gave him the third, um, and I felt I was being generous giving him the third, but um you know and and when they went 29 28 i'm like okay well clearly gordon won and then they're like pimblet and the fans were like behind pimblet the whole night and they were just like stunned like they didn't boo but they were quiet and then when pimblet was doing his interview they were just silent like and and in pimblet's like i clearly won all three rounds this fight wasn't even close this was the fight of the night and and i usually do the fight of the night stuff and the bonuses at the end but i want to say I think Dana White made a point here. Every single fight got 50 grand except for the top two fights. And they they never do that. But they gave a $50,000 performance to the bonus for every single finish. And then they gave Darren Till and Dreykus Duplessis uh, 50000 each. So they made a point of telling Patty, no, you were did not have the fight of the night. Um and and I was like trying to decide whether or not the biggest lie he told was that he won all three rounds or that he he had the fight of the night, um, and you know, they were both lies. And I'm not you. You made the comment that I've turned on Patty. I, I'm turned on Patty. I'm just like he's full of shit. I was making, I was making that. Joke. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. But it's like I mean, and you know what? He won. Like, and so you know, whatever. He's gonna have another big fight, and he's gonna be over and. They should probably move him back to London. Like he should probably fight on that London show if as long as he can. Probably I, too quick for him. He likes I mean, to get, probably he likes but, to get too fat in between fights. Well, and may, maybe that's another problem. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I think that like I, you know, the next fight they could they gotta be careful, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I've been calling for Matt Frivola, and after watching the last couple of Matt Frivola fights, I don't even know that that would be good for Patty. He he might Favolo probably would have finished him, um, yeah. and, and that was a problem here. Like Gordon pieced him up pretty good, and I mean I think he could have finished him if he would have just kind of gone in a little bit. There was a couple points where Patty had some submissions, and one of them looked close. I think he had a like an ankle lock at the end of the first round. That um, I think it, I think that was it. And I mean maybe if he had a little bit more time, he he you know he might have got a submission, but. Um, he had the one pot, one point where he like kind of grabbed him, like standing on the back, and he kind of had like a weird looking rear naked choke from a from a weird angle, and it looked yeah. cool, but wasn't really close to finishing him. But I don't know. Anything else to say about this one? I have a lot to say about Patty too. Uh, All right, I did watch it for a second time, and okay. I did it with more with you know no distractions. Uh, second time, I still had Gordon winning, but I could see. Where where people might give Patty the second and even the third, the okay. third was the third was horrendous. There is no way there is no way you can give a fight a, a fight a fight of the night with that with the third round being the way that the way that was. They, neither one of them did anything. Let's yeah. be honest. Neither one of them did any anything. Uh, I will say Patty to me Patty's stock dropped a lot this week, uh, starting with all that shit with Ariel Hawani early yeah. early in the week and and. Uh, I don't, you know, that's not something that the casual fan is going to see, see, but the hardcore fans have seen it and it's been a big turnoff. And we, you know, we talked big, about it big, like offline. Big, I yeah, think this is after our show. Patty. Maybe explain yeah. what, what that was. Well, Ari, uh, Patty did it. 
Patty did a he did an episode of his podcast that Dana White was on was a on a on a on it, and Patty decided to take a lot of shots at Ariel because obviously because if you're sitting in front of Dana, you take shots at Ariel that gets plus points with Dana Dana because you know Dana hates Ariel. But uh, one of the funniest thing is uh, Patty claiming that that Ariel you know is only trying to make money off of. Off of us, you know, us being the fighters, they have to say that in front of Dana of all people. That's just like, that's just like how much more of a, you know, how more, you know, Ricky Starks made the joke joke to MJF about his nose being brown, brown <laughs> too brown, and MJF was there. There, I mean, after that comment in front of to, in front of Dana, I don't know that anybody's nose could be more brown than Patty's was at the at that moment, you know, and then you know. The whole thing, the whole thing about wanting to be paid for an interview from Ariel that that yeah. that is bad, you know. You know they play, they played they played a clip uh, Ariel on his show today. They played a clip of uh, he was on Pat McAfee's uh, podcast the next day after that happened. And this was over a year ago. This was last November when this happened. When this happened, and uh, he brought it up without saying who it was, and Pat McAfee said, "If anybody ever." ever asked me to be paid to come on this show on the show, I would have told them to go fuck themselves. So, <laughs> so, and Pat McAfee has probably the biggest sports podcast, you yeah. know, you know, going on this, these day, this day. So, uh, so yeah, that's, I mean, you know, you don't, you know, if you're being on ESPN or a radio show, you're not being asked to be paid for that. It's part of your duties as a professional athlete, athlete. But so that Patty was already looking bad. And then the whole, uh, you know, him and Ilya Tapuria got into it during the pre-fight press conference. And Patty, he's, you know, he's got some charisma, but but uh, but he he's not Conor McGregor on the microphone when it comes to insults and trash talk. He's not very good at it. And Tapuria lit him up on that. And then, of course, this fight happens, and he gets the great reaction. You know, his walkout is fantastic and just huge. And he was a superstar, superstar. Right then, at that point, at that point, and everything that he said during the week, you know, didn't matter at that point. And then the fight happens, and it's just, you know, it was just really lackluster. And you know, they tried to put him on the on the McGregor trajectory. You know, this was his fourth fight in the UFC. See, and then McGregor's fourth fight in the UFC. See, you know, it, it was both their first pay per view appearances, except McGregor at that time fought Dustin Poirier a top five featherweight at the time who has gone on to be one of the elite fighters in the sport. And, and, you know, and he won that fight. And then now Patty Pimlet is fighting a 500 fighter in his fourth UFC fight shows you the, just the disparity and probably pure talent of those two, mm-hmm. of those two at this, you know, especially now Patty had more professional fights at this point than Connor did at that point, you know, we're, we're going to talk, obviously we're going to talk Patty Connor comparisons because that's how the that was yeah. a blue player of how this, uh, but uh, the, but also in making this matchup, they tried to follow the Kamzat blueprint. You know, Kamzat's third fight, they gave him Gerald Mearshart, a 500 fighter, much like Jared Gordon. Kamzat wrecked him, Pimlet lost, was gifted a decision. Let's just be honest, it was it was yep. a complete gift decision, gift decision. I don't think it's the worst decision in UFC history, but no, it's pretty no. high up there. Pretty high. Yeah, I there, mean, it, there's yeah. one in particular that's very hard to beat when it, when it comes to decisions. D- decisions. Yeah, I mean, d- the one that springs to mind is uh, uh, Diego Sanchez and uh, Gilbert Melendez. Um, I think that was the one. No, right? it was Ross Pearson. 
Ross Pearson, yeah, where yeah. they give Sanchez, they give it to Sanchez. Yeah, the one, the one, the one that springs to my mind is the Matt Hamill, Michael Bisping fight in the, in a oh yeah, London, yeah, yeah, London. That, yeah. that one to me is the biggest robbery in UFC history. Well, and you know what's funny is that is one of the first uh, fight nights that I ever watched, and it actually hooked me yeah. because it was bad. And because of Bisping being such an asshole, like I, about it, I wanted to see him get beat up, and that's what actually hooked me into into watching more UFC. Was and, seeing and, that fight and being behind Matt Hamill and and watching him win the fight and then get screwed. And, yeah, and and that was the fight that really started uh, when it comes to Michael Bisping, you know, embracing the heel character yeah, a little bit because yeah. he, but uh, but yeah, but. You know, what's next for Patty? <laughs> well, I, mean, I mean, definitely not Ilya Tapiria. Ilya Tapiria no. would destroy him. <laughs> yeah, even though they're in, he's in a one smaller weight class, I'm sure yeah, he'd Tapiria be more than happy to up move to, up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we, but uh, yeah, I don't know what you do with Patty next. I mean, it's very clear he's he he's not going to be a top 15 fighter. He's never going to he's never going to sniff the rankings at lightweight. Lightweight. Uh, I, I no, think... I mean, you know, unless, you know, like, I, I don't, I would say unless, I mean, I don't even know what the unless would be. Um, maybe, you know, you put him in against, you got to put him in against another like low rank guy and hope that he gets an impressive finish, I guess. You yeah. know, um, I would, I would feel like the only way he, he would sniff it is he'd have to move from England. He'd have to move. Yeah. He'd have to move to Vegas or somewhere over get here. Get in like over uh, get in get extreme in these, couture or yeah, get one in of these those big teams. Camp, get in get in one of these big big time camps, you know, Florida, yeah. Nevada, Colorado, somewhere, you know, even even New Mexico. Honestly, like uh ATT and even Dan Lambert, you know, like Dan Lambert probably coach him on the outside of the ring stuff too, a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, and and take advantage of that. But I mean it may be too late. Like this was a pretty big stage and he failed. Yeah. Um, yeah, he did. He yeah. did. And there's got he's got to go really go to the drawing board. Yeah. And look at uh, look at it this week and just see like, okay, what you know, what I what I gotta do to to become a contender because it's not gonna happen right now. No, no, and and I mean he's so far away. I mean, he's you know, bare minimum two years away from even being a top five guy. And that would be yeah. like, he'd have to fight three times a year and win all his fights. Yeah. And, and I can't, I can't even see that happening. And you know, some of it could be the gaining too much. Yeah. That's weight. what I said earlier. And, yeah. Uh, somebody, I forgot who said it, but uh, they see, you know, they were talking about, you know, well, people only does an eight week camp and the first half of it is basically fat camp trying to get, yeah. Trying to get the weight down because he's 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 at like 200 pounds between camps, right? I heard he gets up to like 215, possibly. Jeez, jeez, and he's not like a huge guy, um, you know, yeah. like he's he's not a big lightweight, you know, in, yeah. in when he's in the cage, like, um, so yeah, that's that's a lot of fat. I mean, that's like Daniel Cormier. Yeah. Um, <laughs> speaking, uh, of Dan, speaking of Daniel Cormier, I think Daniel Cormier at this point in his career in his life. I think he could come back and just destroy everybody at light heavyweight. Oh, Still. I think he could get to 205. I don't think he, I think that'd be even really with, difficult even, for him. Even at this with point. a shot back, I mean, his back is yeah. shot, but yeah, I, it'd be hard for him to get to 205 just, right now. That, that let's just talk about light heavyweight real quick. One second, just yeah, just uh, it, you know, ever since Daniel Cormier and John Jones have left it, it's just been a complete, I don't know, disaster. Maybe <laughs> is yeah. that the right word to say? But, yeah. 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 
Um, okay, so I, I mean, who do you got for your three stars? You can, I mean, just throw a dart and you can pick three stars easy, but we'll we'll go through the whole card. Okay. But you want me to go first? Sure. Yeah. Go ahead. No, number one has to be Raul Rosa yes. Jr. Yes. But no question, this guy's gonna, this kid's gonna become a superstar. Superstar. Yeah. I mean, eighteen year, eighteen years old, UFC debut. Tons of hype. Tons of hype. Uh, submits Jay Perrin in the first round, just absolutely dominant. Yeah, Jay Perrin was. Boy, let's just be well, honest. He, a tomato yeah, can. It's a tomato can. It's yeah. a tomato can. You know, he's zero two. I mixed UFC. him up with Jared Gordon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was supposed to be Jared Gordon. Was supposed to kind of be like him, except Jared Gordon's actually, you know, decent fighter. You know. Yeah. You know. 500 record. He's not 0-2 like Jay Perrin and 10 and 6 in his career, but Rojas just just uh destroyed him. Crowd loved him. Yeah. Uh had had the whole sombrero, sombrero thing going on. And then uh I loved his post fight interview where he, he says he wanted 50 G's so his mom could buy so he could buy his mom a minivan van <laughs> and give him a ride to the gym. Yeah, <laughs> because he said he even clarified. He even clarified in like his post fight scrum that he says, "I can drive. I know how to drive. My family just doesn't trust me to drive." It's kind of <laughs> kind of the thing. <laughs> Which yeah, I mean, like you know, you. I mean, I'm not. I don't have any kids, but yeah, you're you're a grandpa yeah. now. You you know, you worry about your kids driving. You know, oh, yeah. until they get to a certain age, certain age where it's like okay, yeah, you know, even even today, even today, I'm 37 years old. I'll, yeah, I'm about to be 37, and uh, and my dad, when he's riding in the passenger seat with me, he still tries to drive the car. That first that first so. time I the first time I went to Dallas for Mania, I had yeah. my son driving part of the way, and he's driving at on the interstate at 90 while he's texting. Uh, like, yeah, just oh my god. Yeah. yeah, that's one of the things I, I get my dad on, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, but I mean, just everything about it. This kid's going to be a superstar, yeah, superstar, yeah. and we're going to be watching him for twenty years. More, than I like. mean, hopefully, if everything hopefully, goes yeah, well, yeah, goes work, uh, yeah, works out. But uh, and uh, number two, uh, I'm going to go Ilya Tapuria, just because, okay. uh, just because uh, him and Bryce Mitchell had had the uh, most anticipated fight on the card to me. Excuse me, uh, I had a little burp there, but uh, but yeah, and it was good while it lasted. But Tapuria just destroyed him in the mm-hmm. second round. Uh, hurt Mitchell with some punches and then got him down and submitted him, which a lot of people didn't see coming because they thought Bryce Mitchell uh, was going to have the advantage on the ground. And, uh, of course, Bryce Mitchell, after the fight, you know, saying, I had the flu all, flu all week, you know, you know, I shouldn't have fought, you know, kind of yeah, excuses in. Maybe get vaccinated and you won't have to worry about that. But uh, anyway <laughs> – <laughs> just kidding flu vaccine not covid but uh but either yeah. one either one but uh yeah but tapuria you know that guy is ready for a top contender fight at featherweight and yeah. that's just another dangerous guy at 145 you know if, if uh volkanovsky doesn't win a second title and he's fighting featherweight there is no shortage of contenders there absolutely and then third uh so many. I'm gonna leave one in particular for you, and I'm gonna go with a uh, Jarzino Rosenstruck here. You know, okay. that's because that's figured, one of the ones I was gonna use, but that's fine. Yeah, I also kind of figured fun. you didn't want. I also kind of figured you didn't want to dwell too much on Chris Dawkins. <laughs> I know being knocked out in 23 seconds because I know he's one of your he's one of your faves. But uh, but yeah, but Rosenstruck. I mean, 23 second knockout. 
knockout. I just he hurt oh. Dacus with basically the first punch, and it was just some brutal punches. And Dacus, I mean, I don't see anybody who could have eaten those shots. You know, no. heavyweight. This might have gone on too long. <laughs> Twenty three seconds. It might have. Yeah, <laughs> that first punch was just it yeah. was over. But yeah, yeah, very impressive from Rosenstruck. All right, uh, I am gonna go. Uh, okay, my first star. I I'm gonna pick uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio, and reason being was that he was. I think he lost the first two rounds. One of them was close, yeah. but even his corner told him he had lost two rounds, and he needed a finish. At least that's what they told him, which is good coaching. And he was even losing the third round, and then Ponzinibbio just nailed him nailed Morono and Morono was rocked and, and he just finished them. And like, he just pulled a victory uh, out of the jaws of defeat, as they say. And uh, just really, really impressive. A lot of heart. Um, you know, Morono took this fight on late notice. It was a catch weight. Uh, Morono looked a little chubby in there, but um, you know, he was game and he was picking Ponzinibbio apart in the first two rounds. And then I don't know if it just caught up with them or Ponzinibbio just, I wanted it more, but yeah, really, really impressive performance from him. Can I can I cut in for a second? Yeah, she, yeah. She, she talked about Morono taking the fight on short notice. Uh, I saw a lot of people were you know saying Dana's in the cage after that fight, you know, because Dana doesn't ever go in go into the octagon after a fight unless it's a title fight. Yeah, and he only go or a big main event main event. But he went in there to talk to Morono, and afterwards he he uh, he told the media that he gave, also gave Morono his win bonus. Oh because wow! Of, for taking, for basically, you know, doing them a huge favor and being able to keep, keep this, you know, you know, because losing Ponzinibbio off that main card would have been a, it would have been a huge late blow, you know. And he's so, so he was generous that night. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's, he, he's been he. He did an interview with Brad Okamoto, which I'll talk a little bit about yeah. later. But he's he just seems to be in like really good spirits these days. Well, that's good that way. You know, there's still some stuff that pisses him off, but of course, but any you know anything's gonna be pissing you off. And Morono's uh, win bonus is probably not cheap. Like he's probably yeah. at least at twenty five, if not forty. Oh, he's he's probably more than that because uh, yeah, you know he's he's got it's been around uh, for a while. He's got like. Like eleven UFC fights, and he's won more than he's lost, and yeah. he won four in a row coming into this. So he, uh, oh yeah, he's been in the UFC since two thousand six. He's got two thousand six, two thousand sixteen, sixteen. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. So yeah, and he, I mean, he fought Cerrone, beat Cerrone, Pettis, seventeenth UFC fight. He's made, he's making over fifty. Maybe. Yeah, maybe over fifty. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. My second star is uh, Dreykus Duplessis. We talked about that fight a little bit. Um, uh, he looked just came out built, guns ablaze in the first round. Was almost finished Darren Till, and then he kind of punched himself out. And uh, Darren Till came back and was doing really well in the second, and then Duplessis just took over in the third. And it was just a great back and forth fight. And Duplessis uh, just gutted it out. And it's funny because they were talking right at the beginning of the fight about how, oh, he says, oh, you know, if you see me breathing heavy, it's just the way I breathe. Don't think I'm tired and all this. And, like it was like he looked gassed, like, you know, within about five minutes. And uh, and he just he just kept going and uh, pulled out a nice win. Another third, a lot of third rounds uh, finishes in, on this card. And this was another one of them. Uh, rear naked choke over Darren Till. And then my third one will be uh, our boy Chris Curtis. That's the one uh, I was leaving for you. Yeah. Gotta figure. Yeah, and uh, just a, it was a great fight. Like it was two of them, you know, just 
beating shit out of each other. Um, just like kind of an old school, like, you know, strong style wrestling match kind of thing, but with punches. And, uh, and yeah, Curtis just leveled them uh, with a cross and then beat the shit out of him on the ground and, and got the win two minutes, 49 seconds. Then he just cut the nicest promo after put over Joaquin Buckley. Um, you know, and he, he's got Sean Strickland as one of his coaches. So it's, it's hard. Yeah, you still love the guy, even though he's got Strickland in his corner. Like he's just, it's impossible to hate Chris Curtis. Mm. And uh, yeah, he's 30 and nine now. Like the guy's fought for, you know, so long and so many times. It's so nice to see him getting success in the UFC. Um, and as I said, I mean, that we could have gone with any number of people, like at any yeah, other, any, any of, any of the, fires in the first 10 fights yeah like i mean cameron simon we didn't even talk about and you'll talk about him right away but you know 21 year old dude in his first ufc fight you know gets a finish like uh yeah i mean just yeah you can uh you can go over the rest of the card and that'll be the first one you talk about okay yeah i think i wanted to i was trying to uh the the duplacy real quick yeah yeah that uh his performance reminded me a lot of when he fought brad tavares early in the year yeah where you remember yeah. he got he was tired in the second round and probably lost the second round and in the third round he just kind of came on and beat Tavares in yeah. that round to win the decision so yeah yeah so his whole thing about yeah if you see me you get tired i'm not really tired maybe it holds some merit maybe you know maybe he empties the gas tank in the first you know kind of tries to recover in the second and then re-empties it in the third third so so you know, if you I mean, look back on his history, that fight with Tavares is the only time he's ever gone to the decision. Yeah, it is. Every yeah. other fight's been a finish. Like, yeah, that's an exciting fighter. And he like, doesn't go to the third round very often. No, he should be like, I mean, he should be a bigger star than he is. And maybe this, oh, this will help him. He's, I think he's going to get there. Yeah. He's going to get 18 and 2 now. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's kind of, he, you know. I think I think you put him against the winner of uh, this week's main event yeah. next. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. And uh, yeah. and you know, I you know, MMA is not like you know pro wrestling, but like if like to compare Dracus who plays like if he was a pro wrestler, like he's got the look yeah. of everything you want to be be like like a superstar. You know, you know, good looking guy, good looking guy, good talker, good talker at pretty much an exciting fighter so yeah he checks all the boxes absolutely the one box that he didn't check is you know looked like he had a little bit of a staff infection on him maybe you know let's just hope that another that you know that you know it it wasn't situation yeah yeah i didn't notice it until after the fight so okay but uh, anyway but yeah let's get into the the rest of this card uh yeah kicked off with a bantamweight fight cameron simon uh TKO over Steven Coslow in the third round. They had a really fun fight, fun fight. And Simon, 21 years old, cut a great post-fight promo. Uh, He's got superstar potential too. And he, you know, he's, you know, he's a guy that if they bring him along slowly, he's going to be very impressive, much like uh, Rosas. Good night for South Africa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, He's from South Africa too, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I thought, yeah, yeah. Good night for South Africa, and then, and you know, Dana talked talked again about trying to break into Africa this year. Maybe they go to South Africa, you know, yeah, you know, down like a year from now, maybe like you do a Duplicy title fight in like Copenhagen. Yeah, yeah. Is that no, not Copenhagen? What's the name uh, of the place? Johannesburg. Uh, 
Yeah, Johannesburg, yeah. Copenhagen, what the hell? That's in Denmark, yeah. I know, I know. I was like, that would be Jack Hermanson getting a touch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, uh, then uh, we had a featherweight fight, TJ Brown submitting Eric Silva in the third round. A lot of ground fighting in this fight and uh, very good scrambles. uh, Scrambles, and uh, yeah, TJ Brown, yeah, looked good. Submitting them, yeah. Then we had a then we had a featherweight fight. Uh Billy Quarantino finishing Alexander Hernandez in the second round. This was a pretty damn good fight. Yep. But uh Hernandez, his striking looked fantastic in the first in the first round. He was beating beating Quarantino up. Uh Quarantino was trying to trying to come back, but uh Hernandez has got a couple takedowns and and he had Quarantino uh, in trouble late late in the first. And then the second round, they started trading off from the get-go. But then Hernandez started to get tired. This is his first time cutting to 145. And, you know, the gas tank, you know, it's different. It's different yeah. when you cut when you drop a weight class and you know you start to get tired and Quarantino just started lighting him up on the feet on the feet. I think the significant strikes in the second round was like sixty eight to sixteen. Something like that, and then just a barrage of knees and punches against the fence finished Hernandez off. Both of them were a bloody mess too. So yeah, very exciting fight. Uh, then we had middleweight fight. Did you talk about Chris Curtis uh, knocking out Joaquin Buckley in the second round? It just a couple clean punches, not Buckley out cold. It was, a, it was a great finish. And then we had Edmund Shabazian second round TKO over Dacha Lungiambula. Uh, Shabazian looked every bit uh, in the first round of a guy who hadn't fought in a year. And and adjusted to a new team, new team. But in the second round, he came out just blazing on Longi and Bula, got adjusted, and Dalta just couldn't stand with him. And uh, yeah, TKO finish. Then we had heavyweight fight. The, I talked about Rosenstruck finishing Dawkins in twenty three seconds. Then Raul Rosas Jr. submitting Jay Perrin in the first round to close out the prelims. Then we had the main card: Tapurio over Mitchell, second round submission. C over Darren Till, third round submission. Darren Till uh, said he uh, tore his ACL in the in the fight. You know, wow. he, everybody goes it's like everybody was kind of questioning that because how can you? How can you know? You know, how can you diagnose yourself in the middle? You know, in the middle of a fight, he's torn his ACL before. He knows how he knows how that feels when he tears ACL. If he said he t- tore his ACL, I believe him. You know, even without the MRI yet. But uh, yeah, there's that. Then Ponzinibbio over Alex Morono, uh, third round TKO. Then the two, then the two lackluster decision fights: Pimblet over Gordon, and then Blakovich and Ankalaev fighting the split draw. Yeah, and that was uh, UFC 282. Uh, we had uh, 18,455 at the T-Mobile. Uh, gate was $4.4 million. Uh, sellout streak continues, I believe. I think straight. they can get – what? 29 straight. Yeah, they can get more than 18,000 in there, but, I mean, that that is technically a sellout. Um, I've seen bigger crowds, but, again, it's like there wasn't an unsold seat. It's just sometimes the – Suites have more people in them and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, and play, and and they'll they'll put more floor seating, you know, yeah, and on bigger yeah. shows. Yeah, there. But like I said earlier, there was uh, ten performances. Well, nine performance of the nights and fight of the night. Uh, fight of the night went to Till and Duplessis. Uh, performances: uh, Ponzinibbio, Tapuria, Rosas Jr., Rosenstruck, Shabazian, Curtis Cornillo, T.J. Brown, and Cameron Simon. One thing I wanted to mention about – I was thinking like – I was kind of – because I was going to send my feedback to uh, Dave for you know the, the newsletter. And um, I was trying to think of my fight of the night before the Till fight. And I think it was actually the, the first fight 
Um, because that was the one that had all the grappling exchanges, right? Um, Simon, the, Simon and Kozlo, yeah, they had a lot of, yeah, they had a lot of grappling exchanges. I love that. Like, I just, yeah. you know, and then it finished with the TKO, like a standing TKO. But all the finish, all the reverses they were doing, and like guy, you know, like Kozlo would get mount, and then Simon would reverse it, and like it was, yeah, it was just crazy. And and I just, I love the transitions there. I think Kozlo is a guy to look out for too. Um, you know, uh, he's, you know, he's, he's six and one, like they're both undefeated coming in. So, um, hopefully they give him another chance or, you yeah. know, he maybe goes back on the regional scene, gets a couple wins and comes back. But, uh, yeah, it was uh yeah, great card up until the, uh, the two top two fights and less said about those two, the better. Yep. Um, all right. So we, uh, we move on from that to the final show of 2022. And that is also in Las Vegas this time with, a few fans at the Apex. This is an ESPN Plus show on Saturday afternoon. Starts at uh, 4 p.m. Eastern. So I guess the, the main card will be in the evening in most of the country. Yeah, 7 Eastern time, yeah. Yeah. Um, and the main event is a big middleweight fight. Uh, Jared Cannonier, Sean Strickland. Uh, Cannonier, of course, former title challenger. Strickland, almost title challenger. Um, or did he? No, he didn't fight for the yeah. title, did he? No, yeah, he had a no, chance, he, but he, yeah, got, he would have beat Pereira, yeah. yeah. Uh, but and, yeah, be, and what a crazy chain of events that would have been. Uh, oh, know, yeah, we, no we, we might still be talking about Otta signing his champion today, or yeah, you know, or sorry, or Sean oh. Strickland's the middleweight champion, right? Please, now. please don't. Uh, but yeah, this card is a really interesting card. Uh, there's one fight in particular that. I'm, it's like a Sophie's choice for me. I don't, I don't want either. I don't know which one that is. Yeah. I know which one that is. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, but we well, actually, there's a couple of those really, but, but, uh, one, but one, one in particular, particular, I know which yeah. one you're talking about. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's a really, really good card, but this main event, uh, middleweights, uh, top, I guess what they're probably both, you know, top, top 10 for sure. Maybe yeah. top five. Yeah. Cannoneers third, Strickland seventh. Okay, there you go. Um, and yeah, and, and amazingly, uh, given what you just said, Strickland's a slight favorite, which surprises me. Um, but uh, I, I think that may switch by the end of the week. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But too, yeah. and then a really big lightweight fight, I think, uh, between two guys that don't really get a lot of um, uh, notoriety, but they're just incredible fighters. And uh, I remember when the last time both of these guys fought, thinking that they should fight each other next and uh sure enough that's what we're getting uh in uh armand sarukian and demir ismagulov yeah that Uh, that, (laughs) i mean those those two that's probably i mean the main event is solid cannoneer strickland both both those guys are pretty exciting for them for the most part cannoneer could be in some boring fights sean strickland uh, sean strickland you know he you know, some of those fights, you know, when you watch them, can like if you're just watching the fighting, they could, you know, if it goes if it goes five rounds, it could get a little lackluster, but his mouth will keep you interested. And uh, there's always a chance of him fighting like a moron and getting himself knocked out, <laughs> knocked out. So, you know, because he tend, he'll tend to keep his hands low and Jared Cannonier has power and has power. So, yeah, that's definitely an interesting fight. But this Sarukian Ismagulov. I wish it was five rounds as well. Oh, I was going to say, like, <laughs> I mean, and that's why you almost want this to be the main event yeah. because, I mean, there's a real good chance Kennedy or Strickland doesn't make it past three rounds anyways. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this fight, I mean, they could go probably 10 rounds if you yeah. let them. Yeah, um, I mean, Sarukian and uh, and uh, Ismagulov, uh, they both have power, but they're yeah. both strong wrestlers too. Like, 
Like it could be, we, you could have a lot of crazy exchanges on the feet and then a lot of really fun grappling. Uh, Saruki, is, he's 18 and three. Uh, he's coming off a loss, but uh, Matus Gamro in, in a main event fight, that was fight of the night. That could have gone either way. And his only other UFC losses to Makachev. So, I mean, yeah. he's, you know, he's, he's top level. And Ismagulov is, is 24 and one. He's got a ridiculous record. Record hasn't lost since September 2015. 15 and he's won like what 19 in a row something like yeah. that five and oh in ufc yeah five, um yeah, yeah all, and I mean, all decisions you know he's yeah. still looking for his first finish but he looks you know these guys are are two incredible fighters and uh but these aren't like the decisions that he has aren't like these boring like decisions where like these are fights where he's just pounding the shit out of yeah. people and yeah. like i think he's even had like a few like really really lopsided scores yeah. like 30 26 30 25s you know like that kind of thing yeah his and, closest uh, his closest call was his last fight when he yeah split decision Kudalazi, yeah. yeah but but, but even, Kudalazi, but even like but even one of the judges in that fight gave all three rounds to his Magulov. So yeah. yeah, yeah, this uh, yeah, that is the. I mean, that is a main event. Like really, like if they were still doing European shows like on a regular basis, and they probably will be soon again, this yeah. would be a main event in you know like any European country. Yeah, um, ESPN, ESPN Plus card in. Uh, I mean, if they did it, what? Yeah, I mean, they're both from. Uh, they're both from. The Russia, former so. Soviet Union, yeah. So I don't know that they're going to go to Russia anytime, no. anytime soon. But if they did it, if they did a show, you know, in Abu Dhabi, uh, fight night in Abu yeah. Dhabi or somewhere, somewhere like that, yeah, this could easily main event. Um, they, they, yeah, they are both from Russia. Why do they have different flags? I don't know. Well, um, uh, Sarukian was born in Georgia. Oh, there you go. Okay, okay, yeah. But I mean, even it, yeah, if they fought, you know, like, but I, I think anyone, like Finland or something like that, even, you know, like, yeah. I don't know if they're ever going to go to Finland, market, but, yeah, 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 somewhere close. Um, yeah, so yeah, just uh, and you know, a lot of uh, solid names on the card. You know, right now we have what fourteen fights. Um, but uh, what do you what do you got for your uh, three fights to watch? Okay, for my three fights to watch, one of them is. Is the fight you're referencing uh, yeah. that I'm 100 percent sure you're referencing? Featherweight fight, Alex Caceres against Julian Arosa. Yeah, just a Bruce that's Leroy, the one. Juicy J. Yeah, that's the one I knew you were talking about. You, yeah, I knew it from the from the moment. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Caceres, uh, he's on the brink of top 15 still, still coming off a loss to Sadiq Youssef, uh, ended his five fight win streak. But he's just. We've seen him grow up in front of our eyes, essentially, essentially, and in the last several years, he's become just a really high quality fighter. And he's, you know, his record, yeah, nineteen and thirteen, like it's not super impressive on paper, but if you really look at his body of work since since his loss to Cron Gracie, like it's real good stuff. And uh, yeah, and uh, you know, trying to bounce back from a loss to Yusef, Yusef is really good, but. Uh, Arosa, he's uh he's been a real surprise since he came back came back to the UFC. Is uh his third UFC stint and he's five and one since coming back. Three fight win streak, pulled an upset in his last fight, uh, you know, beating Hakeem Dawadu by decision at uh, UFC two seventy nine in September. So yeah, this is just like and both these guys are pretty exciting fighters. So, yeah, that's a good matchup. Uh, second one, there's quite a few of them here, but uh, I'm going to go with a flyweight fight, David Dvorak against Manel Kopp. I'm doing that because I'm a huge Manel Kopp 
yeah. kind of fan right now. And if he could just fight consistently, I think I think and now that he's won two straight fights, both by knockout, if he can keep fighting consistently, he's going to be a title challenger. But Dvorak is very good. Uh, Dvorak is coming off a loss, lost to Mateus Nikolau, which ended what he was on like a 16 fight win streak going into that. Uh, it's a bounce back opportunity for him. They're fighting really early on the card too. So don't miss that one. It's the second fight on the, on the card. So that's going to be some early action right there. Third one. Uh, it's a tough choice between two fights in particular, but I'm going to go lightweight fight. Drew Dober against Bobby green. Drew Dober has been just super impressive Impressive. I was like looking at the rankings earlier and he's not ranked, which is surprising to me because I actually have him in my top 15. Well, that, I mean, it's so it's deep though, that division. It lightweight so deep, so deep. But if, if you look at, if you go back to the start of 2017, Dober is eight and three. His three losses, Benil Dariush, Isla Makachev, and to Brad Riddell in a fight of the night. And Riddell is, you know, He's taking a break, but he's he's and he's lost a couple, but he's still a damn good fighter. And then you know, and then uh, Dober's coming off a uh, knockout win over Rafael Alves at, in a UFC 277 in Dallas. I was I was there front row, and it was a damn good fight. And and uh, Dober's actually his last five wins have all been by knockout, and uh, so yeah, he's very good. And Bobby Green always always entertaining. Always entertaining, you know. We haven't seen him in a while because he had a USADA suspension for, for six months. But uh, yeah, he's coming back and just, I mean, Bobby Green's one of the most lovable fighters in the UFC. You know, not ever going to be a champion, but always a guy who's going to deliver a fun fight, no matter what. So I think this is going to be a really good fight. All right, uh, and I didn't, uh, I didn't get a chance today to do my uh, ROI picks, but I'll post them in the Fight Game Media Group at the end of the week. I did okay this last week. I was six and four, and kind of more or less broke even. Uh, but I, I post got to post them on Twitter too. I should do that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I do it if I'm watching the fights live. I put them on. Um, I put them right before the fights. Yeah. Uh, as yeah, long as maybe, I get the fighter names right. Maybe do it on like Friday. Give. Yeah, I should do that. Like, yeah, you know. Yeah, it's a good idea. You know, for uh, those for those who listen who aren't yeah. in the. Yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, yeah, because I'm usually I usually finish it Friday night and then I get my bits in Saturday morning. Um, So I got Jared Cannonier. Anyways, I think is a live dog at plus one hundred right now. I don't think he'll still be an underdog by the weekend, but he is right now. Uh, Demir Asmagulov as well is an underdog right now, which surprises me. So I'm I I think I'm probably going to bet on him. He's at one plus one forty five, and then the third one I'm kind of torn. Um, between Bobby Green and Matt Semmelsberger, um, they're both underdogs. I think I'm gonna go with uh, Bobby Green just um, because I just feel like he tends to win when he's an underdog without going too deep into it right now. I mean, he's coming off that loss to Makachev, but I mean, he wasn't gonna win that yeah. short notice fight, like literally, uh, like a week's notice. Um, and he beat Nazrat Hakpras before that, so right now he's like uh, plus. 135 underdog, and yeah. I think that Dober Green, either guy could win. So I would just yeah. pick the guy I'll, that you get in the better odds. I like I like that pick too because the, yeah, because I don't see Dober knocking him out because Bobby yeah. Green is like super tough, and Bobby Green can easily, easily, you know, he fights that kind of style that makes you that that if you're a striker like Dober, Dober he's going to suck you in to miss a lot, and he's going to land a lot while you miss. 
And then by the third round, he's just going to take over with volume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what what do you think the other fight I was talking about that is like my one of my favorites? So, uh, Julian Marquez and that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I I'm not I can't pick on that one. Uh, I'll just have to look at the numbers. But um, actually, I think I would kind of go with Win because isn't Marquez like isn't he? Didn't he have to switch camps? Uh, he was already in Las Vegas training, okay. training when the James Krause stuff happened. I, he might have okay. moved back back to Vegas full time because he was with um, he was with he was with, um, he was with, with Krause. Syndicate, right? He was with Syndicate. He was with Syndicate, for a while. yeah, and then he was with with Krause. I don't remember Krause being in his corner his last fight. Maybe maybe he was maybe he wasn't. I don't remember. But so you yeah, think he's back he's, with Syndicate now? Uh, he might be a string pitcher. I don't know. Okay, and then uh, of course Duran is uh, Dan- DC's boy with AKA. So yeah, I know I know that out of that out of that Kraus camp that that before the thing came down that Moreno and Marquez had already gone to Vegas to start training. So. There's a really interesting fight too on the early prelims: uh, Brian Battle and Renat Fakradinov. Yeah, but you'll go over the whole card yeah. right away. But that yeah. one is one I'm like torn. Yeah. I can't figure out where to go with that one. But yeah. um, because they're both like really, really good prospects, I can't believe yeah. they're against each other already. But yeah. Um. All right. So well, yeah, take us through the rest of this card. Yeah. Yeah. This is kind of to me. This is one of those cards. Cards. If you saw Dana's interview with Brad Alcamo, I know he kind of said this about the Orlando card. Like, if you're a fight fan. You know this card's good. You know some of the some yeah. of these people that you know only catch a show here and there now are laps fans. Will just look at the names and be like, I don't know anybody on this card. I'm not gonna gonna watch. But if you're somebody who pays attention to USC in 2022 and is watching, you know, not necessarily on a on a 42 event level, but you're catching two thirds of the shows a year, you know this is a good fight card. And it oh, starts. Yeah. On, There's yeah. a lot of good fights yeah. on this card. Yeah, you know this is a good fight card. And. uh and uh, yeah, it kicks off uh, with a bantamweight fight. Uh, Sergey Morozov against Journey Newson. Both of those guys need uh, are in need of a win. Not saying it's a lose or leave town fight fight because both of them actually won their last fight, but but you know they've they've both had mixed results so far in the UFC. So they need they both need need a win here. Then we have the flyweight fight I talked about. David Dvorak against Manel Cop. Yeah, tune in early. That's going to be a good fight. Then we have the welterweight fight. Paul just brought up Brian Battle against Renat Fakratinov. Uh, Battle is taking the fight like on two weeks' notice, so that's a that'll be a key to look in, look into there. Uh, then we have a lightweight fight. Rafa Garcia against uh, Mahashate. I think that's that's how you, that's how pronounced. I'm not going to even try his first name because they just basically call him Mahashate. So <laughs> there's a. Then we have a bantamweight fight. Uh, ranked number fifteen, Syed. Side Nurmagomedov against Syed Yakub Kakramanov. The you know so uh, that'll be a fun one to do live coverage on. But uh, yeah, so that's oh a, yeah, that's a, that's a it's an interesting fight. They have the middleweight fight, Julian Marquez against Daron Wynn. Welterweight fight, Jake Matthews. Surprised he's not on the on the Australia card, but he's uh, got a fight here against Matthew Simmelsberger. That should be that should be a good good one. Both of those guys are good stand-up fighters. Uh, then we close out the prelims women's strawweight fight, Cheyenne Vlismas against Corey McKenna. Uh, two good prospects at 115 pounds. Uh, then we have kicking off the main card, middleweight fight, Cody Brundage against Mikhail Oleksaychuk. You know, that'll probably be pretty exciting. Then we have a lightweight fight, Drew Dober against Bobby Green. And featherweights, Alex Caceres against Julian Rosa. 
Then we have another flyweight fight. A guy we a guy who we need to watch out for that we haven't talked about yet. Amir Albazi. Unfortunately, you know he he's getting a UFC debut guy against uh, Sander Costa because uh, Albazi yeah. has lost two opponents on this card. He was supposed to fight Alex Perez, and then he was supposed to fight Brandon Royval. Both those guys ended up pulling out. And Costa Costa was on the contender series earlier this year. Got a win, got a win, and was one of the one of the very few people who won on the show who didn't get signed. But uh, then he then he, then I think he went out and had a uh, twelve second knockout <laughs> in his next fight on the regional scene. So yeah, they quickly picked him up to replace here, and it it'll probably be a good fight. And then we have the top two fights we talked about: Sarukian against Ismagulov in the co-main, and then Cannonier and Strickland in the main event. Yeah, uh, as you said, really, really strong, strong card. Lots of uh, probably future contenders. One of those cards you're going to look back on in a few years and be like, oh, wow, yeah, see, remember that guy win? Yeah, Uh, really looking forward to this one. And then really looking forward to a few weeks off. Uh, Actually, for me, I'll have an even longer break than than you because I'm going to to Disney World soon. at uh yeah so check that out saturday afternoon 3 p.m on espn plus or i, I assume tsn in canada yeah, yeah, four, eastern time, four eastern time on the east coast yeah yeah so yeah be done by like 10 um our time yeah. uh yeah and 30 10 yeah so we're in yeah the so yeah good 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 card um all right uh let's go to the question of the week and uh the question of the week and the um the uh uh, we have to talk about are kind of related, but we'll do the question of the week first. And your question was, has the term robbery become the most overused term in MMA? I mean, the way you're asking the question, it's loaded, right? Like we're supposed to answer one way. And I yeah. mean, obviously, I think I think a lot of people use this term when, you know, you see a fight where the consensus is that one guy won and then they give the fight to the other guy. And a lot of times that isn't really a robbery. Um, and why don't you, ex- I mean, we've talked about it before, but explain why. Yeah. I mean, I think robbery has become the most overused term term just cause it's, it feels like it's a term being thrown out every week. Yeah. And this week, this week, especially with the, with the Patty and Jared Gordon, Gordon, you know, I, you know, haven't watched that fight a second fight. I don't know that I want to put that in robbery territory right yet. Right yet. Even though. You know, live in the moment. Yeah, it was a robbery. Robbery. It probably still technically is, but it's hard to say because it's close fight. It's just, it's just, there's too many fights that are close and subjective, and and yeah. uh, and perspectives. A lot of perspectives are are different. I know, I know. I've watched plenty of fights where I've been cage side and then watched it back on TV, and I've had a different perspective. You know, it's yeah. just it's all about about my perspective. And these guys who are sitting there. Who are sitting there cage side? They have a completely different view than anybody who's watching that TV. At TV, you know, and sometimes you see different thing, things differently. You know, especially if you're paying attention, paying like close attention to some stuff like that happens on the ground, ground. You know, and so I think you know the scoring, scoring so debated, debated these days that people are throwing the robbery term out too much i think it's been i think it's been used too much this year which is kind of getting so it's getting the past the point of having frustration frustrating usage i think um the the what happens is sometimes people look at a bad scorecard and and then like kind of conflate that with a robbery even though the right guy won 
Agreed, you know, like, yeah. yeah. So you have like, you know, a split decision where one card is so bad and then they'll look at maybe another fight on the same card where the wrong guy won. And then, Oh, it's a robbery. It's robbery. It's fixed, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, there's people out there that think that UFC is, you know, fixed and those the top people are morons. They are, but the top two fights on this past weekend's card doesn't help that. Yeah, no. <laughs> you know, when you know, like the their golden boy poster child that they want for the next five years is getting a gifted decision, and then the main event goes to a split decision when they didn't want a split draw when they didn't want either guy to win. Um, <laughs> you know, it kind of I mean, I'm sure they would have been happy with one of those guys getting a knockout, but um they wouldn't have really been happy with, you know. Either if that fight hadn't have gone to a decision, I don't think Dana. I think Dana's probably happier that the fight is that the title's vacant than than if Uncle Ivan got a decision, for instance. Um, I, you know, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong, but you know, I don't know. I, he seemed pretty pissed off, but um, I think he's ha- more than happy to just crown a new champion next month. Yeah. Um, so, um, but I, yeah, I agree. It's it's overused, um, and uh, you know, and it's just people that are kind of ignorant. And uh, but at the actual robberies that we get, I mean, when it's a robbery, it's like when you have, you know, one out of 25 reporters scoring a fight one way and all three judges score it that way. That's a robbery. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Most of the time. Not always, but most of the time. Yeah. Um, you know, like that's a robbery. But when it's like, you know, when it's a split decision and like 75 percent of the people think that the guy that lost won, that's usually just a close fight. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, so I agree. That said, there are some bad judges. <laughs> and we have to talk about the judging issues and the use of Doug Crosby this weekend. As we mentioned earlier in the show, Crosby scores a fight, the main event of Bellator. He scores at 50-45 for the guy that the other two judges had winning the fight. And then gets flown across the country. I think it was across the country. Yeah. To, yeah, yeah, to Vegas. Um, from Mohegan Sun to Las Vegas. From Mohegan Sun to Las Vegas to to judge the co-main event here, and he uh and right that was the one yeah, yeah. he was yeah, yeah the Pimblet fight yeah and yeah and he uh he gave the fight to Patty Pimblet uh along with the other two judges but there's nobody else I mean I I assume uh I assume uh Jaron Jer- Jer- was busy. Um, and thank God for that. Uh, but yeah, Crosby is not a good judge. Um, yeah. I wanted to bring up Crosby in general, in general on this, but yeah, go ahead. He, well, I've got his record up here. He's had three, five, six, seven dissenting decisions this year. Um, and you know, that doesn't even include bad decisions like the, the Pimbla Gordon, which wasn't a dissenting decision, um, yeah. but it was a bad decision. Um, you know, and, but he, he scored that one. He had Charles Johnson beating, uh, Zuma Goloff. He had Nascimento beating Boser. You know, I can go on. Uh, even the fight we talked about earlier is Magulov. He had him beating Kudaladze. Um, so yeah, it's, um, I don't know, like, and, and he's not the only one. I mean, we talked about Jaron Villal. Um, you know, he's terrible. He's a terrible ref, terrible judge. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what they can do. They need new judges, I think. But. Yeah. Well, the f- first thing about Douglas Crosby is, is uh, he used to be a judge in Nevada, and then his license uh, expired, and it didn't get renewed. So there was oh. a period where he wasn't judging. 
and then they then he applied for a judging license last year, like he does every every year. And Nevada brought him back, which which at the time was met, which a lot of people in Nevada uh, didn't agree with, because he's got the reputation of being a very bad judge. Uh, he's got the reputation of judging it however he feels like it, not within the criteria of the sport. Just just you know just uh, just just how I feel like judging it. I'm going to judge. He has no, there's no consistency in how he judges fights. It's it's just, it's all, it's all over the place. And he, he has openly talked about, talked about, he was a previous guest on Chel Sonnen's podcast. When Chel Sonnen had had a podcast, he would openly talk about just, you know, not giving a fuck basically, you know, you want, you want to know, you want to know, I, I've just been looking up. He had, Two fights in Bell or two shows in Bellator in 2020 where he gave the losing fighter a 30 27 scorecard, and the other two judges had the other guy winning. Yeah, and one of those, the other two judges had it 30 27 for the other guy. Yeah, that was was Henry Corrales and Brandon Gertz. Yeah, his judging is all over the place, but uh, yeah, but I also want to bring it bring up this issue because it directly involves his situation this week, this weekend, but. There's been other times where this this has happened too. Too, there should be no no official person, whether it's a referee or a judge, who has flown across country in less than 24 hours to work two different shows, two different shows. They need to make these commissions need to set a hard rule and do it like the NFL does with their with their. Uh, I, yeah, with their uh, with their officials. Sorry, you sent me a link. I got a DM from you, and it kind of distracted me for a second. Uh, but, yeah, uh, no, that was. But, uh, but anyway, but anyway, that, that but, fight. But, well, no, that fight I was talking about. Like yeah. it was all the all the um, reporters had it thirty twenty seven, including yeah. one thirty twenty six, yeah. and Douglas Crosby <laughs> scored at thirty twenty seven for the other guy. Yeah, but uh, like, but yeah. back on that, like NFL, they have they bring in all their all the referees. Uh, more than 24 hours, they bring them in. The games are on Sunday. They bring them in Friday night, Friday night, and give them a full day of rest Saturday for Sunday. And the reason is they want they want the people who are in charge of calling the game, calling the action, uh, focused, refreshed, not tired, just a hundred, just a hundred percent on. And that's what we need in the MMA. Yeah, we we absolutely. want these referees and these judges to be fresh, focused, a hundred percent percent on it's it's hard to be a hundred percent on whenever you're whenever you're you're doing a show uh you know in connecticut and it's got a late finish late finish he's probably flying out first thing first thing saturday morning saturday morning so he's probably up all all night basically basically because i mean i've done i've done the whole thing where you know i work work a late fight you know, a fight night on Saturday and you're there, you're there at the arena super late and you're having the first flight out Sunday, Sunday morning. You don't sleep at all Saturday night. Saturday night. So it's probably a situation with that. So you're probably getting into Vegas, tired, having to run all over the place, get checked in hotel or if he lives in Vegas, whatever, whatever, you know, you're super tired. Like you're not focused. You're not a hundred percent, hundred percent. He shouldn't have even been judging on Saturday night. No. And then like, and, and, and it's up to and, these, it's up to the, it's also up to these. And it's probably like, like, you only make X amount of money, you know, ju- judging a card. You make, you don't make it per fight. You make it per card. And you know, some of these guys are going to take, going to take work as they can get it. You know, because you know they need the money, need the money. But 
these commissions should also reach out and be like, hey, are you working any other cards this week or this weekend? Blah, blah, blah. You know, stuff like that. Yeah, before they actually assign judges. How many judges do they put on a card? Uh, there's usually about eight. To okay. 10, so I was going to say, like, I mean, I, I don't have the whole thing, but they're, you know, because only these two top two fights went to a decision, but yeah. there was at least six. Like, yeah, why usually, did they need to fly Doug Crosby across the country? Usually, like, usually each judge has four to four to six, four to five okay. assignments, depending on how many fight fights there are on a, yeah. on a card. But like on a standard uh, 13 fight card. It's kind of like the referee. And it's kind of like the referees, you know, how you'll see. Yeah. You'll see uh, Mark Smith in there for four out of the 13 fights. You know, the judges will probably have like, you know, four to six, somewhere to somewhere in that range. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree that they, they need, they got to clean up the judging. Um, I, I don't know. I, uh, yeah, I just, uh, I, they got to do something because this just makes them look bad, in my opinion. So, and obviously yours too. Um, all right, we got some news. Uh, UFC released its uh, 2023 first quarter schedule, and they've got nine uh, cards on the schedule, but there is a 10th one that wasn't listed on their schedule for South Korea on, uh, I think, is it the week before the Super Bowl? February um, 4th, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So but so it's basically the same schedule as as, as this year. I mean, as or last year, however you want to yeah. put it. Um, 10, 10 cards in, in the first three months. And uh, yeah, uh, any anything you want to particularly highlight out of that? Well, okay. Well, we can kind of run it down in January. Yeah. January 14th is at the uh, Apex in Vegas. Okay. Then you have January 21st, UFC 283 in Rio. Then yeah, the one that wasn't on there, February fourth, uh, in South Korea, South Korea. I don't know why they didn't put that on there. I think maybe they're still trying to sign the deal, get it official, official okay. with that. But uh, Dana brought up South Korea, South Korea. You know, he was listing places that he's excited to get, excited to go to early on in twenty twenty three, and he listed South Korea and Australia, which you know gives more credence to the South Korea thing. Then you have uh, February 11th, UFC 284 in Perth, Australia. Then February 18th and February 25th are both fight nights back at the Apex. Unfortunately, yeah. unfortunately, uh, yeah, that sucks. That sucks. Uh, that sucks. Uh, then, uh, then after that is March 4th. Uh, at the uh, UFC 285 T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. Then uh, March 11th, which is supposed to be headlined by Anthony Smith against Jamal Hill. Uh, so that lost that main event. But it's actually going to be at the uh, theater at the Virgin Hotel and Casino there in Las Vegas. That's the old Hard Rock. That's the old the joint at the Hard Rock, which was, uh, which was the host of a lot of early UFC fight nights and a couple of Ultimate Fighter finales. So that's yeah. a... So that's a that's a old new place remodeled. Uh, I heard that you know there's there's a possibility they might have cut a deal with with a place with uh, Verizon or the Virgin Hotel to have fight nights there in Vegas. Uh, I've also heard that during this time they're going to be renovating the plan on the Apex. As much as we bash the Apex, the plan that they have for the Apex going forward is they're trying to turn it to an actual venue with a thousand seats, kind of like an old school Las Vegas early fight night venue. Which like, like able, the Hard Rock used to be. Yeah, like the Hard Rock. Yeah, yeah. Or like, you know, you saw the fight night there at the Cosmo Live. live yeah. You know, kind of oh, that venue. was great. Yeah. yeah, they're kind of trying to, they're going to try to turn the Apex in that, which I think if they do that and they put a, and the goal is to put a thousand seats in the Apex. If they do that, 
and they sell those seats to you know actual fan actual fans you know they're gonna have to lower their prices prices they can't be asking for five thousand dollars for vip only tickets they're gonna have to start selling for a couple hundred bucks but i think if they're able to do that at the apex and sell out a thousand seats every time they run a show there show there and only do it like five six times a year tops you know i think the apex will be a better environment for fights it's just it's you could just, you could charge like you know between like a hundred and two hundred bucks and you know yeah, that's a decent yeah. gate and it'll yeah. be a fun atmosphere. Yeah, and, um, and the thing about it is that gate's hundred percent yours. You're exactly. not split it with a split it with a venue. So What's um where where is the PI? The PI it's uh it's off two fifteen and uh it's not that far from this trip. I okay I know how to drive to, I know how to drive to it because I've done it a few times few times, but it, it's I never have a it, car when I'm down there. So yeah, like a, it, it's, like what it, 10, 15 minute Uber ride or ten minute ten depending on where you're on on this trip. If you're on the okay. if uh honestly the best best way to get there via Uber is to be on the south end of a strip. So Mandalay Bay, yeah, from yeah. the Mandalay Bay through the park MGM, those are the best spots yeah. to get there. Or you know, like I, I'm usually in down in that end, anyways. Like yeah, you know, so, cause or um, the Trop or or MGM. Yeah, yeah. So. like like on on the side where Mandalay, Luxor, Excalibur, New York, New yeah. York Park MGM. So from yeah, from side, Excalibur, yeah. yeah, it's a yeah. quick, quick, nice, quick run. Oh yeah, it's it's a very easy to get to. All you have to do is hop on two fifteen yeah. there, and it's right off the it's right off the highway. highway. Oh, I cool. mean, if if you if you hit lo- traffic lucky. You, I think I got. I was at the park MGM one time when I drove over there. I think it took me about eight minutes. Oh wow! It was in the morning. It was in the morning. Granted, yeah, granted, but still, it's it's an easy, it's an easy, it's an easy get to there to there. But anyway, that was March. That was March uh, 11th, uh, March 18th, UFC 286, London O2 Arena. Yeah, no stadium. Okay, yeah, no stadium. Dana talked about this in his interview with Brett. Uh, He said. He said somebody suggested Wells. Wells, like, like he got that suggestion from a media person. Person they hadn't looked into, it. and then they looked into it, and it's just, uh, just the first, you know, the stadium in Wells that WWE ran. It's 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 a uh, open air, you know. It's yeah. not, it's, a, it's a lot of it's covered, but it's not one hundred percent covered, and the field, which was which where the octagon would be, is not covered. So you're. He said his first worry is the rain, which is rain. You know, it rains a lot in England. Let's be honest. You know, you know, he, he said, he said rain in England is like, is like sun in Las Vegas. You know, it's gonna, it's, gonna happen and in in march in the yeah. middle of march in london you can yeah. or in in wales you could be anywhere from yeah. you know the teens into like the 50s like yeah. you don't know you don't know yeah. so yeah so you're better said, you're better off just to he avoid said it. he said rain weather yeah and a few other things that he talked to the venue people one of the things that probably led led me to think is if they were to do wells the same they they would have to commit to an afternoon start time over yeah. here whereas we've seen them do do a pay-per-view event you know at the regular time in the u.s which was like super like a.m time in in england it's not you know it's not yeah you're starting to make part at like one like later than that you know the bisping Henderson oh yeah yeah fight, two two yeah fight, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 we're yeah but you know it's they can do that in london yeah 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 they did it before they did it before okay oh yeah before. i guess the, and, he, yeah. and he also said you know what London O2 Arena, big arena. We always sell that out. It's yeah. this will sell out. It's a pay per view. Probably going to be Edwards and Usman three. They'll sell that out easily. Oh yeah, easily. So five million dollar gate. Yeah, yeah. If not more, if the, if not more, they might jack up the ticket prices and try to go for six. 
they're yeah. going to sell it out either way, regardless. Yeah. Regardless, you know, England, England, English fighter defending the UFC title, it'll sell out. Yeah. And then, uh, and then March 25th, the last, uh, uh, fight card of the first quarter, uh, AT&T center, San Antonio, Texas. All so. right. So four of the first 10 cards are international. And, um, we got, cause we got, uh, Brazil, South Korea, Australia, and England and, uh, what one, two, three, three fight nights uh, outside of the apex. So that's yeah. the start. And, and like a, and like a, like I brought up and Dana kind of hinted at this in his interview, interview, interview. And he was, he would flat out said like, I'm excited to get back to places this year that I haven't been to in a while, especially Good. overseas, overseas. Overseas, like I do think with the innov- with the renovations of the Apex, that it's not going to go away. That you know, I could yeah. see four to six events a year there. But like I said, if they get the that, if they if they go ahead through, and I and I think they are doing the renovations. They got all that approved. Once they get that done, and if they put in a thousand seats in there and they sell that out out, and it feels like an old old school two thousand five two thousand six fight night card in Las Vegas, you know, Las Vegas. I think the the environment will be much better than it is, is now where it's just basically lifeless. You know, there will actually be yeah. some life in, in, into these cards, into these fight shows. All right. Uh, we got some, because, because honestly, the one thing that we complain about the most about the apex is, is it's, it's the no crowd and no noise and no fan noise. That's the one thing we complain about the most most about the apex and like i said putting a thousand people in there they're gonna make noise they make it'll make a a million times difference yeah absolutely and and it's just so like so much more the fighters feed off it the fans like it better it's just there's you know and yeah there's no reason not to i mean i'm sure they have the reasons and some of them you know we're not going to get into but um yeah yeah Yeah. they've been planning the renovations for since really since covid covid okay. happened they just haven't had a chance to get the building into well cuz they had to use it you they know had when, to use it for for yeah. stuff you know you know so now now that they the you know we could probably see you know like this virgin hotels we could probably we'll we'll probably see a couple of fight night cards on on strip somewhere or you know or they take them all or once march comes and april comes they're all back on the road who knows well mgm owns um is gonna own the cosmo in 2023 so i mean they could even go back there yeah yeah Um, i mean and they have a relationship with the resorts world now which has a has a venue so so yeah all right, we got some news on James Krause, and this, uh, I guess some of it came from MMA Insiders. You sent me the uh, Twitter thread, and people can look that up if they want. We both retweeted it. Um, but dude, just kind of give people a summary of what's going on with Krause. Oh, you want me to get uh, – Well, I guess yeah, if you want to or just to – like, you want yeah, to talk uh, about it. So. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, just the basic updates because it's the fact – you know, because everybody's asking what's going to happen to all of his fighters who, who couldn't find the UFC because he's – you know, he was their coach. Uh, he's stepping away from the sport. Uh, okay. He's selling, selling his stake in the in the in the gym that he owned. That he 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 didn't own a hundred percent of the gym. He owned part of it. The uh, Glory MMA there in the uh, Lee Summit, Kansas City, and uh, he's selling all of his stuff, all of his, uh, you know, all of his portions of it, of it, all of his ownership stake. He's, you know, he's stepping away from the sport. He's not going to coach anybody. Anybody, you know, he's, you know, he's getting out until, you know, 
until whatever happens happens you know yeah you know if he gets cleared if he could i mean let's be honest he's probably going to get in trouble at least for the Derek Banner fight, everybody involved in that it's looking like there's going to be some repercussions. What those are remains to be seen, seen if it's just a simple fine, you know, could be jail time for some of these people, you know, cause yeah. it's a, it's a serious allegation, but, but I can see a situation where, you know, if he gets cleared of everything, you know, commissions, let him back in people, let him back in and he becomes involved in the sport. But for now he's officially stepping away. Uh, he owned part of that FAC promotion, which the other part of the owner said, said, no, we had no affiliation with him. Basically lied about it, but, uh, yeah, he sold off all of his ownership stake in that. So yeah, he's, he, you know, we're not going to be hearing him hearing anything from him outside of what's going on with the investigation and, and his betting tips. Yeah, <laughs> um, I think he's done with that. Unless for he, now, unless for he now. just wants to stay out, you know, he can stay out of the sport forever and get yeah. you know and do that. Yeah, uh, we got some Dana uh, stuff. He he talked about Connor and Michael Chandler. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he uh, this is more of the interview with with Brett Brett because yeah. Brett had to bring up uh, you know because he always asks about Connor. This is a year end interview. Interview. He basically said said like he doesn't talk to connor connor and he doesn't really talk to any fighters he's just like if you're a fighter on the sidelines we wait for you to call us and he said i wait i wait on connor when connor's ready to fight and get in camp he'll let me know he'll let me know but uh brett asked him he didn't ask him straight up what his next fight was he tried to get three fight you know the top three in line and the first one he brought up was chandler and that's that Dana seemed to be like, that's the one that we're looking at. We are looking at, you know, but didn't say that that's going to be next. But he said that's what they're looking at. Seems he, like a bad yeah. idea. Yeah. He was also asked about Francis Naganu and what's going on with the, the negotiations there. And he said, we're very close. So, oh, good. That's what it's worth. So, looking, hopefully, March. Yeah. Okay, and and then you had he had some stuff on his future as well. Was that yeah. from the interview or something else? Yeah, it's from it's from his it's from the interview. He talked about he's fifty three now. He's going to be fifty four the this summer. Uh, you know he's he uh, he's he's under contract as the UFC president, and that it comes up it comes up when the TV deal comes up, which I think is in twenty twenty six. You know, at the end of twenty twenty five, you know twenty twenty six would be the the first year of the new deal new deal and uh he's talking about like he's not ready to retire but he's kind of seeing he said i'm not ready to retire but i'm seeing starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel you know so so we're you know he he sounds like he's somebody who you know within where it wouldn't shock anybody if he's you know, if he steps away within the next 10 years, I mean, he's about to be yeah. 54, 54 and he's been doing this, doing this a long time. And he, he talked about like how everything like, like, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't have as much on his plate anymore as he used to, because he started, you know, he started to where now he's basically like, like the, you know, the last guy you go through kind of deal. He's got so many people doing all these jobs to where he, where he can focus on other stuff and focus overall on overall on big picture, you know, the little things that he used to do, he's not doing, doing anymore. You know, Hunter Campbell 
basically basically does all the negotiations when it comes to fighter fighters and and Dana knows 100% of what's going on on with them but he's not involved in the in the conversations except when he needs to be so that's what he and he flat out said this like he's only involved when he needs to be not when you know not in everything so so yeah but uh, so I guess yeah. the speculation can begin about who will take over for him but Hunter Campbell will be will be Will be the next president of the UFC. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. There's discussion. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> it's a matter, but it's a matter of who becomes now, like the face know, of the company. Because kind of Dana, Dana brought up like, like what him and Lorenzo were when the Fertitas owned. That's what him and Hunter Campbell are. But now, like Dana's in the Lorenzo's position, and Hunter's in the Dana position. So now you're going to be like if Hunter. So Hunter's going to move over to Lorenzo and they move up to that spot. He's going to he's going to need a number two. And he said it's still a collaboration, collaboration day. You know, he said every Tuesday matchmaker meeting, meeting. You know, they're in that bigger war room. Dana has a chair. Hunter has a seat. Sean Shelby has a seat, and Mick Maynard's on the phone from Houston. So it's like it's it's those four, those four, and you know. Uh, there's going to come a day when Dana steps aside. Obviously, obviously, those other three will still probably be involved because they're they're all young. I think Hunter's still in his thirties. You know. Oh wow. You know, I think I think there might be somebody who comes a figurehead because because I kind of know Hunter a little bit. He's not he's not necessarily one to uh, like he'll do interviews, but like when it comes to like public speaking, he kind of shies. You need away a, from like him. a promoter. He he kind of shies away from. That's why I could see them putting like. Daniel Cormier. That's the guy. That's the as guy, like the yeah. as like the like a figurehead, you know, somebody who's well spoken. I would say Habib, but Habib's, you know, English still isn't a hundred percent. You know, you know there's guys. I mean Bisping. Bisping Bisping, yeah, yeah. Bisping. Cormier's the perfect guy. He is. Perfect he is. guy. But yeah. the only thing about Cormier, yeah, yeah, at that time, you know, he's in his forties now. You know, do you want to yeah. go a younger guy as as like the face of the shit. So and, and you know and they, I mean it's too bad Chael's had his out of the ring issues because he'd be another guy that would probably be, be another guy. You, you want somebody who's well spoke, you know, in that position. I would think you want somebody who, who you know, as like a figure as like a figurehead guy, you know, guy who's running press conferences and maybe John Anik would be good at in that spot yeah. too, yeah. too, too. If yeah. John would want to step away from commentary commentary but you want a guy who people are familiar with you know who would be good if he was actually affiliated with ufc right now um and he never will be again but somebody like uh john mccarthy i I think would be good but um you know he's you know obviously not not in ufc's good books right now so but uh all right uh shogun retiring at ufc 283 we've talked about that before kind of figured it was gonna happen but it's official now he made it official in an interview today said that it's gonna be his last fight all right, and uh, so, remind me who he's fighting again. Uh, Igor, Igor Petrera, something like that. Okay, I, I have to put a put a bet on his opponent then, because yeah. guys that announce their retirement almost never win that fight. Yeah. Um, all right, and uh, and then we had some reaction to uh, TJ Dillashaw retiring, which I can't remember if we talked about that last From week. Other we did talk about it last week. Okay, because it happened like yeah. a couple hours before. We right, recorded. right, right. Yeah, because yeah, you yeah, that's right. Because t- <laughs> that was yeah, it was a big story because Ariel wanted to break it, and yeah, we talked about that yeah. after. Yeah, Ariel um, broke it, yeah, but but anyway, but yeah, but uh, but a lot of fighters are a lot of uh, his fellow competitors aren't buying this retirement. Oh, and they think. They think he's pulling a McGregor. So <laughs> he's getting back on the gas to heal getting, up. Getting out of USADA, getting on stuff to heal up, and then he's going to come back. Which, hmm. uh, that's, How old is he? He's what, 37? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. We believe he's, we believe he's done and his age says it, says it, but yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I brought up the Connor thing that, you know, the only reason he's not in USADA is because he, he, uh, said he's retired. He notified them to retired and a lot of people thought I was lying, but basically that's what everybody has figured out. And now they're saying, Oh, now TJ's going for the, what they call the Connor loophole now. Which, uh, which I mean, anybody's this, loophole. Brock this is that loophole. This for is years. A, this is something you saw. Is going to have to monitor in the UFC, yeah. Too going forward is just like, like you know, there's a very clear loophole now that has been exposed. Been exposed. I don't know how like this is news. Like I said, because Brock Lesnar did this years ago. You know, well, like Brock, Brock, no, Brock wasn't ever in in the USADA pool until he wanted to come, he, until he wanted to. But that was the thing. Team that team was team. how come he we knew he wasn't coming back because he wasn't in the pool. So well, it, that's well, how you know if a guy's, you know, like you, well, he's always going to be one and done. I think. Yeah, yeah, but I, I'm just saying, like that. I mean, I don't. He was. He was. That, in, he was in the pool for the fight. Yeah. Well. Fight, yeah. But, but he. He got suspended, and he got suspended, and but he said, "I'm not going to be in the pool anymore because I'm not going to fight anymore." But I'm just saying, like the people that doubt that, oh, the reason the Connor hasn't been tested is because he's not in the pool. I mean, they just they're just either ignoring facts or they're ignorant of the facts. But the fact is, is if you're not, if you're not in the, the only way you're not in the pool is if you're technically retired. Yeah, and Connor is technically retired right now. <laughs> and everybody says says, well, Usada said they could pull anybody out for no reason. They have not pulled anybody out of the testing no. pool in seven years, except those who have asked to be pulled out because they're retired. You can't like, like you can't force a guy to test if they're not if they're retired. Like, yeah, you just can't. I mean, that's yeah. yeah, it's a pretty good loophole if you can find. Yeah, it. and UFC does, and UFC does not. They don't. They don't ever comment on a fighter status fighter status unless the fighter fighter says it so so if connor has never said he he's retired then you then as far as ufc uh, their official statement is yeah he's not retired at 37 years old i would say that i would not bet against tj dillashaw fighting yeah. again with i think we're going to see him fight with as again. much damage as his shoulder is in yeah, yeah i would not suspect it well i mean he could and and but I'm saying like I wouldn't bet against it. I mean it could happen, probably won't happen. But I I definitely wouldn't say that you know there's no chance it'll happen. I don't um, believe MMA retirements until those guys no. hit hit fifty. We were pretty convinced about Joanna, uh, and it looks like she's going to come back now. So yeah, she's um, talking about it. Luke Rockhold's yeah. talking about it. Yeah, these, these yeah. people take breaks; they don't retire. Exactly. Um, all right, and then very quick to wrap up because we're already a little over our time. We we got some uh, fight announcements. Yeah, uh, yeah, a few, not much, eh? A few here. Uh, uh, another fight on the Brazil card: uh, Cody Stamen against the debut in Luan Lacerta, uh, UFC two eighty four in Australia. Nazra Akbaras against Jamie Malarkey, uh, UFC two eighty five March fourth. Viviana Rojo against Amanda Hibas. Those are basically the. The that, fight uh, more notable fighters in it. That Malarkey fight is that his first time back in Australia? Like, because I think he got signed during the pandemic, didn't he? Or did, no, he no, no, he fought in Australia before. Oh, okay, okay. Because I, uh, yeah, and uh, the one that I, I know some of our people are, you know, our Canadian listeners might be excited to know that uh, Jasmine Juza Devicious is uh, fighting Courtney Casey on uh, Fight Night, uh, December twenty fifth. Um, February twenty fifth or February twenty fifth, yeah, December twenty fifth. That's 20th. Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where, where's that one? Twenty is that the Apex? The Apex, yeah, yeah. 
um yeah so yeah so that that's just about didn't do it uh hopefully you enjoyed the show uh so you can check out ryan's uh coverage of uh last week's ufc show that great great card uh that we had uh was headlined by um stephen thompson and kevin holland in wrestling observer this week it, i didn't get to it, it this it's somewhere in there between all the hall of fame stuff well that's somewhere. what i was gonna say i didn't get to it today because i'm still trying to make my way through the hall of fame article i didn't even get to the big one on the promoter so i don't know how long this one's gonna take me to read but you can check that out it's in there and then of course uh on next week's observer ryan will have his coverage of ufc 282 and uh and then coverage of this coming weekend's uh ufc uh from uh, the apex um on wrestlingobserver.com and uh you can also hear me on uh fight on fight game media's uh patreon me and jeff hawkins dynamite show coming up on wednesday tomorrow on your uh as soon as dynamite ends we'll have our coverage of the Fall. show and uh, following winter is coming which i will be at yeah you're gonna be there kevin ely from the boom is gonna be there and uh our buddy steve and probably some other people that we know um i think uh brian zilliman might might even be driving in from austin he said so um he was uh, i had him on the dynamite show a couple weeks ago uh filling in for jeff so yeah uh check that out and uh you know maybe we'll even have some special guests on, on that dynamite show uh with their live thoughts um so yeah ryan ryan will have that you can follow us on twitter i'm paul ace fontaine he's ryan j frederick and we're always tweeting during the fights you can uh let us know how much you agree with us and if you have opinions bad opinions about us keep them to yourself <laughs> just kidding uh so <laughs> ryan why don't you take us home like you always do all right i hope everybody enjoyed the show have a great week and enjoy the fights this weekend later